The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. All right, guys. Good morning. Glad you guys could make it here today. Um, We just wanted to take some time this Sunday and then next Sunday to just share some encouragements with you guys. As you know from the email, we're, uh, we, we started with the thought of, of doing a, a prayer for parents, kind of in, in wanting to dedicate and to um, really ask for prayer from their church family in the, the task of raising little ones. Uh, we recognize it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, Mark and I and Jamie and, and uh, a lot of us have gone through this, but sometimes we forget the challenges and we just want you to know as, as leaders and shepherds as a church, we, uh, we appreciate so much the hard work that you guys are doing. We know it's, you don't always get as much sleep and there's, there's unique challenges and there's things you're trying to figure out. And so I uh, want to just start off by saying we, as, as your leaders, love you guys and want to support you well and not just pray for you in the church service, but any way we can come alongside you as parents. We know we need each other's help and we need the church and... Uh, we have God's help, but we need each other's help, too. So, And just as an encouragement, Mark will remember 16 years ago when Jamie and I came, there weren't any little ones like your age at all. Um, there, were, there were kids, you know, more in the, the, the older years and teen years, but we doubled the nursery, doubled the toddler search. There was just like one other family with little ones. And now to, to see, as we, we kind of counted them up, I think there's 22 babies that were either born last year or this year that are part of regular attenders of this church. 22, that's, that's a, a wonderful thing. And what I love is our church has a lot of people in their 70s and better who are going to be meeting here later. And then we also have a lot with the younger years. And so that's just a great blessing. A lot of churches that I'm in fellowship with don't have that mix of old and young. They might have a lot of old or a lot of young and no one over 50. We're blessed to have a real gamut, some in their 90s, uh, even one of them celebrating her 94th birthday here today. So um, just wanted to share some of the things as we start. Mark, would you pray for our class? Yeah, sure. yeah let's pray. Father, thank you uh, just for the multi-generations that you show to us as a living testimony of the faithfulness of Christ and how he endured the cross and he came down because he was sent and sent by you. So thank you for that. We get to enjoy the fruit of his labor, of his work. Father, thank you for each parent here. Thank you for their children. And that is our desire, is that we do indeed train up the next generation. And we want to do that with excellence. So thank you for that. Bless our time this morning. Cause us to not say anything that would not be beneficial or helpful or build each other up. These things I pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Anyone not have a handout? I think you guys all, here we go, get them. So the first, I just kind of was thinking of different scriptures about little ones, and this is, this is just a starter, this is not an exhaustive list of scriptures, but thinking about some of the categories of how God speaks at this age and stage of life, and, and the first one I think we need to start with is, little ones are a blessing from the Lord. Who wants to read out that, that first passage there, a good strong voice? How about Corey Freeman?
All right, so children are a heritage, they're an inheritance, they're a blessing from the Lord, they're the fruit of the womb is a, is a way to speak of the, the blessing, the life, that, that even in the womb, this is life that God is making fearfully and wonderfully. And I'm just thinking about some of those images, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. What are some of the, the images that, that that may be speaking of, like arrows in a warrior or children? It's not one we maybe think about all the time, but what are... What would be some of the, the the biblical thoughts maybe behind that? Yeah. Yeah, so the arrow is being sent out and could be an implication also that before that arrow gets sent out we need to form it we need to fashion it. if you ever i'm not an expert on arrows but i know if they're not designed right they're not going to fly well and so as is that's one of our jobs is, is while they're in the quiver while they're we're in the bow is we're, we're wanting them to be sent out in the world and really to to make a mark in the different areas of of life and so um that's kind of the bigger picture i think to keep in mind even as you're you're working with your your little one to know someday this this one is going to be sent out in the world and and i want i want them to be be able to 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 go well and to travel far and to and to make a mark in whatever area god calls them to that's good what else when you think of bows and arrows I mean, we think of maybe weapons of protection today, defense. There's, especially with sons in the biblical culture, for them to be able to defend and take care of their parents when they're older. I think that's part of the imagery as well. Um, but maybe just we can think about the biblical images. But what are what are some ways that our culture thinks about children a lot differently than this psalm here? Yeah, they're a drain. Yeah, and they see children as a a burden might be another word. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely interfering with what we want to do. I mean, that's so much of what even the the culture of death and abortion is the extreme example. But even even those that have families sometimes see them as as don't see them as a blessing like they are. Yeah. So I think it's it's good to just remember children are not a blessing. They're are, they're not a burden. They're a blessing. <laughs> Sorry, a little slip there. Um, but to be reminded of that, this is actually a reward, a blessing, a gift from the Lord. Every child, um, and and they're a, they're a heritage, which means it's to be a, a generational thing that gets passed on. So what we're doing with our little ones. We want them to pass on to others. Um, any thoughts, Jamie, just on children being a blessing? Yeah, well, I was actually, my thought was uh, that we forget that we're raising adults. And we're in these younger years. Like, your goal is to raise an adult. And so they're going to be an adult longer than they're going to be a child. And so as we're forming and fashioning them, um, to have that mindset that we want them to be a blessing to us and to 
people in the future as adults. And, and especially in our culture right now, like children are just not raised to have any responsibility or, um, you know, they can do whatever they want, they can think whatever they want, they can be whatever they want. And so, um, yeah, just that mindset that like, this is a really short amount of time in their life that um, we're fashioning them to become hopefully God-fearing adults. Yeah, and I, I would add too, Phil. You, you blink, and next thing you know, your oldest one's getting ready to turn forty. Seriously, it just it just burns by. And I think a lot of that has to do just because we, you know, I've been, my family has been in this church for a lot, a lot of years. Uh, Carolyn, you know, being a, a you know, you know stroller, uh, a newborn when we were here. And you, I mean, seriously, you, you turn around, it should be, should be thirty nine next month. Uh, 40 next year. It's like, wow, where did that time go? It, it does go by fast, so you're absolutely right. And, and, and I appreciate, too, just the fact that they're a, they're, they are a blessing from the Lord. Uh, as far as I understand, science still cannot explain how, uh, how scientifically a baby is ever conceived. They cannot explain that. How a baby is actually conceived scientifically. So if that's true, it is a miracle, miracle for every child born. It's just a miracle. I mean, especially when you when there are a lot of people that would love to become parents that cannot have children scientifically. I mean, goodness, look at, look at Elizabeth and Zachariah, her husband, right? She was older, and yet God performed a miracle. God performed a miracle with her relative Mary to, to have Jesus born. That was a miracle because neither one of them could have happened apart from God. None of your kids that you have could have happened apart from God. That is God's general blessing raining down on the saved and the unsaved. In other words, couples that believe in God and couples that know no God. They don't, they don't recognize God. That is God's general blessing for mankind. Amen. Yeah, and I, I remember watching a video called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. I think it was Dr. David Menton with, and he says we shouldn't talk about the miracle of the whole childbirth process, but the miracles because there's like all along the way from the beginning, and then it's, it's really amazing all the things that have to happen for a, a, a child to be born and to, yeah, just know us fearfully and wonderfully made. That's all of us, and it's a, it's a blessing. And then I gave you some quotes here also of, thinking a little bit deeper about ways that they're a blessing, not just the gift of life, but Dan Doriani in the Journal of Biblical Counseling <clears throat> says here, the chief blessings of parenthood seem to lie in giving. If we forfeit the hope of gain and first and give without hope of return, we can enjoy the blessings of parenthood. So parents give. They give the Lord the godly children he desires, Malachi 2. They give their children the gift of life. They give society the salt and light it so desperately needs. Once we are committed to giving first, the blessings can flow. Martin Luther, recalling that he never awoke with pigtails in his face and his blanket gone in the monastery, observed that family life is a school of character. That is, parenting blesses us by teaching us to love sacrificially, to bend our will to another's. 
Parents learn to subordinate their plans, their goals, their happiness and fulfillment to spend themselves for little ones who can give very little in return. Babies cry more than they smile. Little children are a bundle of need, and teenagers bring more worries than celebrations. They teach us to expand the circle of passionate concern beyond ourselves to our children, our community, and even the good of distant generations. And can you read that last one, Jamie? You have been bobbing. Yeah. Children check selfishness in parents. They uphold to their parents as if in a mirror. Their own virtues and defects force them to reconsider their lives, soften their circumstances, their criticisms, and teach them how difficult it it is to rule a human being. Out of the family life, there proceeds a reforming power toward the parents. Family life turns the selfish into servants, misers into heroes, coarse men into considerate fathers, and tender maidens into courageous mothers. I just think that's, that's well said. There's a lot of things to think about there. And any things you guys would add as you think about how those kind of blessings, how it changes us being parents? So both the Loving the Little Years describes mm-hmm. parenting as being thrown into a rock tumbler. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an adequate analogy because when we take away the other rocks around us, those rocks are what smooth us out. And so... Before I was married, I was perfect, and so I then became married and I realized it wasn't perfect, and so there's one rock, and so in a culture that's trying to take these institutions away, such as marriage and parenting, you're taking away those rocks that are shaping and sharpening you to become more like Christ, which are blessing whether you're a believer or not a believer, because like Mark was explaining, that miracle and having one another. It's a blessing to those that don't believe, but also a blessing, especially to those that do believe. And so we're taking away the very institutions that God created for us to remind us to make it more like Him. That's good. What's the name of that book? Loving the Little Years? Yeah. Yeah. Rachel Jamathan. Yeah. That's good. Other thoughts just on that? How children are a blessing in more ways than one? I think it's good to keep thinking about these these things because our world is just saying so much of the opposite of everything that we just read. It's all about you being you, your fulfillment, your your whatever. And self is is kind of the biggest word of our culture. All these self hyphenated words and and having a, a little one. Marriage is the first step, like you said, curbing selfishness. But then having a little one, you have to you have to die to self every day, and uh, it's just a so that's what Christianity is all about. And so I think that's, <clears throat> that's a blessing on those regards. So little ones are a blessing from the Lord, but I think we have to keep going and see the second point. Little ones are sinners, amen, <laughs> who need godly direction and gospel grace. Um, Tyler, do you want to read um, that first verse there, Psalm 51.5? Yeah. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And Lisa, you want to read the next one? The wicked are strange from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. They have been. All right. Hannah, you want to read the next one? Psalm 53. God looks down from heaven on the children of man. There is none who does good, not even one. And again, that's so opposite of what our, our culture would 
teach us about children. In fact, you know, even, even in the church, we can be infected with this thinking of, my kid's a good kid, you know. Kids get in trouble, and it used to be parents were glad they were getting in trouble in, in, in school because they were like, yes, my, my kid needs discipline. But now a kid gets in trouble, and they're, they're upset at the people getting them in trouble. And they're, they're saying, my kid's, but he's a good kid. He's a, he's a good kid. And, and the Bible says God looks down on all the children of man, and there is no one who does good, not even one. Um, and let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Why? What is that? You know, it's one thing to say, yes, we're sinners, but I think there's still this tendency among us as parents sometimes to want to think, yeah, but my kid is a, is a good kid. Um, how does that flesh itself out if we're really committed to that view that my kid's a good kid? How, what are some of the implications or impacts of... of... I mean, most of you guys, probably all of you guys, on your phone, you have pictures of your family, pictures of your kids. Mm. Why? We're very proud of them. Oh, well, let me show you when she was born, and that would go right through, right? If, with that understanding that we have a, a real tendency um, to be proud, we want to naturally say, my kid's a good kid. Because if I said, my kid is evil and my kid just is a little sinner what are we saying about ourselves man look what i i'm doing the best i can but we want to say oh my kids are good i mean i heard that a lot especially mm. in my patrol years running into parents believers or not believers most of non-believers that, oh my kid wouldn't do that my kid's a good kid why because that feeds into their self-esteem their pride of holding the parent that they are a good they are a good person and we know biblically that that's not that that's not accurate at all so that type of thinking leads to, I mean, it's, it's fed by our own pride as parents yeah. that we're good. Mm-hmm. So if I'm good, naturally my kid's good. I mean, we're good people. Yeah. And that's obviously biblically wrong. And even with much evidence to the contrary, parents yeah. can be conv- convinced that they're, they're still good at, at heart rather than they're sinners at heart and we need to help yeah. them, rescue them from that. that. It's amazing that language of the verse, from the womb and from birth, speaking lies and some of you know this before your kids can speak they can lie right they can lie before they can actually verbalize lies um and then it says they have venom so they're like vipers vipers in what diapers vipers and diapers Uh, again that's incredibly offensive to our world but but that's the language of scripture we need to recognize they're sinners you know they're they're not capable of doing a lot of damage when they're little but they're there's sin that they got from you as mom and dad and from from me as, as dad, 
um, that's there in their heart. And so it's, it's not a trying to make sure nothing from the world can ever take this good kid and, and lead them astray. It's that we got to be careful with what's in the world because of what's the potential in our child's heart, the sin that's already there. That's why we need to be careful with influences, not because it's going to put sin in there, but because it can stir up the sin that's already there. And so that's, I think, the verse, Proverbs 22, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. It's, it's already there. It's bound up. What we want to do is try to, to, try, try to keep that foolishness from growing and, and, and going out through the rod of correction. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And actually missed one verse. Um, Mark, you want to read Deuteronomy 31, 12? Yeah. <clears throat> Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. And so this goes way back to the time of Moses. As, <clears throat> as God's people are becoming a society in the promised land, God wants all the people to gather together. He wants the little ones to to be with the adults and, and all of them to hear, to learn, to fear the Lord your God and to be careful to do all the words of this law. And so that can happen in in gatherings with all God's people. It can also happen in, in classes, giving attention to little ones. But most of where that happens is you as parents, day by day, seeking to teach and seeking to instill your your little ones so that they would learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. And that, that may be another one that's easy to forget. We want them to, to honor God, fear him, to, to take him very serious, and then be careful to do everything he says. Not, not to make ourselves look good, which again can be a temptation. We want, because of our pride, we want them to behave so that other people think we're great people. But no, we want them to... We want our kids to think God is great and, and to help them understand that. And that, that takes a lot of work, and it's not a, a quick thing. Um, someone else want to read Ephesians 6, 4? Want to read that, Rebecca? Yeah. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. So there's one where sin can actually come out of their heart because of how we as Fathers in particular, or parents, you could say in general, how we actually are exasperating them, provoking them to anger. And so that's a, a challenge often of, of parenting, whether little ones or older ones, is to, to, and we need help with our spouses sometimes. Are we, are, are we provoking them to anger here? Maybe are we exasperating here? Do we need to kind of take a step back and, and evaluate that um, and bring them up in discipline and instruction? You know, and you know what's kind of funny about that verse too is it's I read something I read a word in there and I go why is that in there mm. fathers mm -hmm. why fathers why not just say parents do mm -hmm. not provoke what's it say do not provoke your children but why fathers and so fathers that is a mm -hmm. that, that should jump off at the pages us to us that says do I have a tendency to do that because I will tell you on a personal level my wife does not my wife has never I've never seen mm -hmm. her provoke our children to anger. But I've seen it in my own life. I've done that multiple times, raising our kids, provoking them to anger through whatever it's lack of self-control. I mean, James four comes to mind. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, Dad, this is this is your warning. This this is to you that that we have a tendency as dads with pretty big egos and my way or the highway rule the roost sort of thing. We have a tendency to to succumb to that. So. 
be warned. Mm -hmm. that's, that's why that says fathers and not parents. It's fathers. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. It reminds me, too, of God calling out Adam when both Adam and Eve sin. He calls out Adam first. Adam, what have you done? It was Adam's job to, to, to tell and to protect and to be a leader and all that. And so that's a convicting but good, good reminder is that God holds fathers especially responsible. Parents, too, but he's, he calls out fathers to that. And, and I think you're right, Mark. There's unique ways we can exasperate uh, and I know for me, not exasperating, not really engaging, not really listening, not being attentive can be, uh, even to my teenage, mostly grown kids, can be, can, can be provoking them to anger. So that's a good, it's not just at the little years, it's something we need to always be working on. Um, let's read this last one here for this section here. Um, I'll just read it. Second Timothy. He speaks of this genuine faith that is in you, that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And I I love the fact that we have in this group here um, grandmothers as well as mothers as well as fathers and and grandparents in, in some cases who are a part of, of passing on genuine faith. Um, apparently, Timothy's father wasn't a believer. He was Greek, but his mother was Jewish. And his mother and grandmother taught him the scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament, but they told him, they taught him these stories. And he says, from childhood, or one version says, from infancy, you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It actually starts in infancy. It starts at the age some of your kids are at now. They can begin to understand and hear things about God. They can see mom and dad pray. They can, if you have you know, Bible story time, as they're able to, to listen and hear more. Those, there can be seeds that are planted there from infancy and in, in childhood that God can bear fruit later in salvation. Any any thoughts, Jamie, on this this whole section here? Um, a couple of things, I guess. Um, on the just kind of evaluating our kids' sinfulness is um, because, especially moms, you're home all day with your kids, and um, you just surround them more. And so, as they grow older, I mean, this is the stage that a lot of you are in, or where the discipline's starting, but. Um, I think the provoking to anger can come from moms too, obviously, because we can, um, we're the, the sin keepers, you know, or the, the fruit checkers all the time. And so um, one of my friends was just telling me how she always assumed her kid was wrong, always, because she was a mischievous little child. But it kind of grew into a pattern that then as, you know, teenager and above, it's, it's now it's just caused a lot of problems. Um, and so while you don't want to ignore their sin and, and think they're always innocent, you don't also want to assume they're always wrong. Um, so I was just kind of thinking, like, especially, like, they'll come to church as they get older, they're out on the playground, somebody gets hurt, you know. You have to you kind of check yourself how you deal with your own children in, in your sinfulness with others especially um, 
And so if you're always defending your child, you might want to rethink, how do I, how do I see my child? And if you're always um, assuming they're wrong, then also, I mean, those are two extremes, but it's kind of where we go as, as believers, I think, sometimes. Discerning our children's sinfulness is is a constant um, habit because we want to grow them into godly people, and uh, but not in the not to exasperate them in their sin, but to encourage them as they grow. Well, and in, I have found. Um, People would say that kids, you know, when they're 10, 11 months, don't misbehave. But as we all know, that is not true. And the earlier you start discipline, the more they expect it from you, and the easier it is in some cases. It's not easy. <laughs> but I just feel like it has been successful in that bit for my personal. Just to know that I need to start that as soon as I see it and not wait for, because it is sin, no matter how young, it's sin, and you need to direct that into mm -hmm. discipline and a positive teaching opportunity. You don't wait to discipline, is what I'm point is. Yeah. Yeah, because <clears throat> if you wait, it gets really ugly. Yeah. Mm. Well, a, a different form of that, too, could be just a, a tendency to point out what they're doing wrong or just just really being on their case all the time, but never praising them or encouraging them when they do right. And and we have a biblical mandate to encourage the, uh, the faint-hearted, help the weak, but to, to edify, to build up. That's a command as all Christians, and especially those in our care. Uh, we need to be building them up as well, or we we are in danger of and, and will exasperate them and provoke them to anger. And there can be a lot of bitterness that can grow just of not hearing words of encouragement. And uh, for some, that's, that just doesn't come naturally to you, those words of encouragement. We need to really work at, and as spouses, I think, help each other to make sure we're, our kids know that not only that we love them, but that, that we appreciate them and we see God at work in them and encourage them. So any thoughts, Mark, you'd add to that? Any of these things? That's fine. No, yeah. Really. Anyone else? Other thoughts along those lines? Well, I think with encourage, like one way to encourage is to listen mm -hmm. to them and to try to get to know them and understand, like, why did you act out like that? Or, mm -hmm. And see what they're saying and mm -hmm. thinking. And, and then that's encouraging to them that you want to know them mm -hmm. and understand them. Like Christ wants to know and understand us. Mm -hmm. That's like a really good example of love. Yeah. Hmm. That made me think of a, a class that I went to on the Shepherds Conference years ago. It was called How to Raise a Pharisee. Thank you. You stimulated the thought in my mind. We can correct that behavior, but if we're not focusing on the heart, and you, I know you guys all know that, but the heart is really what we need to be focusing in on, but the, but the, the behavior obviously reveals the heart. So focus, while we can say, you know, apologize to your brother over there, I'm sorry, you know, they can do that. But if you don't follow that up with, t like what you just said, talking about the heart, you're just raising a Pharisee that can say all the right words, but their heart is not changed. 
And what, what happens, because I was the high school director here for a lot of years, he knows that, um, you can wind up, you, you'll wind up seeing these high school kids reach a place in their life, because every one of them will, where they're either going to make their parents' religion, in this case here, or what we're teaching here, their own, or they walk away from it, and they're gone. He's an example of somebody that made it their own, because he was one of my high school students for a lot of years, like six, seven years here in high school. So he... Takes a few tricks. Yeah, he and his brother both. Great examples of guys that made it their own versus walking away from it all. And that's where it really comes to fruition, is that's, at least that's what I see in, in those formidable years of junior high and typically high school, because that's what I did for a long time. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, just such a good reminder. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Yes. And, and we can do that as Christians. We can be more concerned with their behavior, how they look, how they're making us look, than what's going on in their heart. Yeah. And, James 4, another book that mm-hmm. I'm reading, and some of you guys are as well. Maybe you've already read it. War of Words. Mm-hmm. War of Words by Paul David Tripp. That's good. Great book. I should have read it back in 1991, I think, is when it came out. Mm-hmm. Blew it. But if you got it, you <laughs> read it now. It's, you'll find it super mm-hmm. helpful. That's good. Yeah. I remember one of the speakers at a, a conference, if I can get the quote right, he said, the world would say the greatest problem for, you can apply this to kids, the greatest problem for kids is what's going on outside of them, and then the solution to all their problems is looking inside of them and, and who they are and you know their identity. But the Bible is, is the complete opposite. The Bible says the, the worst things that's going on is not out there, it's what's going on in our heart. And the solution to those things that are going on in our heart is 100% outside of us. It's not looking within. It's looking up to Christ. And that's where, that's where we want to point kids to. Is this, it's not self-esteem, self-whatever. It's, it's Christ esteeming him, looking to him. And then that does change how you view yourself and your identity. And you have a healthy value of your, your worth and your dignity in God's sight. But it's not because of you. It's because of Christ. Because of God's image and, and Christ. And so it's just great to be reminded pretty much the opposite of what the world says in most cases is what we need to believe so which takes us to the last point here little ones are important to the lord and to his kingdom it's kind of counterintuitive to think the little ones there's a verse i don't have here but it's psalm 8 it says "O lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth and it says from the mouths of infants and nursing babes you've ordained praise you ever you ever meditate on that he's, he's going to talk about the moon and the stars that god has made how majestic is is a creation all the creatures but then right in the middle of that he highlights how it's actually from nursing babies it's from little ones infants that he ordains praise in what way is do little ones show the glory of god in, in a way that the big universe doesn't I don't know if you ever thought about that, but it's an, it's an interesting thought. Any thoughts? <laughs> oh, I thought that was a rhetorical Well, <laughs> I, I was hoping it was, actually. I mean, I mean, I think part of it is just there's something about the, the miracles of life and this precious little life that God is like, he's changing the world through these little ones, and, and, and they actually give him glory. Uh, think of the little ones in the temple when Jesus comes in, they're singing Hosanna. And the Pharisees want to rebuke him, like, get these kids out of here, don't you? And, and he says, no, this, this is like 
this is what it's all about. These little ones praising me. And little ones become like this picture for older ones of, of God's power, God's gospel, God's grace. And so that's what I think this last section's looking at. Isaiah forty eleven, like a shepherd. This is another great uh, chapter. It talks about his mighty arm, his creation. He knows the stars and all that. But right in the middle it says this, like a shepherd, he gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. And he's talking about his people, his sheep. He's the shepherd of his people. But he, he gathers them. One version says he carries them close to his heart. That's what he does with, with his, his lambs. He gently leads those that are nursing. Or another translation could be those who are with little ones. He's gentle to, to, to lead you and to help you in this time. That's our great God. But he gently helps those that are nursing. And then, and Mark, can you read this last section from Mark 9 and 10? Yeah. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Then they brought little children to him, to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. I love that image there because you get the sense even in the, the Bible-believing culture of Israel, there were... There was this mindset of we need to we need to keep the kids away. We can't this they're they're a nuisance. And Jesus says, No, 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 bring them here. Don't don't do anything to keep them from coming to me. And he actually takes that little child while he's teaching and brings it up front in the midst of them and says, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And so I think even for our our, our world that is not receptive of children to, to know this is this is actually we're receiving Christ when we do it in his name when we receive a child and and, and want to bring that child up for him whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me so this is this is about the Lord not just I think Jesus said in another place whatever you do for the littlest of these my brethren you do to me or you don't do to me you know giving a, a cup of cold water to a little one in my name, uh, there's reward for that. And, and that's not just a metaphor of how we're to be spiritually. He, he actually says they brought the little children that he might touch them. And the disciples are actually rebuking. There's people coming to Jesus with children. And the disciples are like rebuking him. Like, don't, don't you see the master's busy? And then it says this. When Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. He was indignant. This is one of the few times you see Jesus get angry. And what he gets angry about is that they're not letting, they're not recognizing and, and even receiving and, and bringing the children to his care. And he says, let them come. Don't do anything to forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. And he basically says, if, you, if you're not like one of these little ones, you're not even in the kingdom. This, this is, that's where the, the metaphor comes in. But then he actually takes those babies up in, in front of all, and he lays hands on them and, and blesses them. And so in some sense, that's what we're wanting to do next Sunday morning, praying for, I'm not going to take them all up in my hands, you know, pile all the babies, but 
Um, we can talk about how that would best work for you guys. But ha- having in some way where we're, we're asking God's blessing, continued blessing on them, God's continued help for you guys uh, to know this is an important part of the, the kingdom. It's not just the little ones. It's not just the youth ministry or the older ministry. This, this ministry you guys have with little ones right now is, is a vital ministry of the church as much as, as, much as anything else. So, um, so that's kind of the heart about that. It, any, as you guys have thought about that, any thoughts as to what would work best for you and your families as to when we come to that prayer time? I'm going to share a few things from Scripture, and then I was thinking of asking you guys to stand. I don't know if you guys would want to just stand where you are or come up front. This will be it during the service. Uh, so, um, and what do, what do you guys think? Have you guys thought about that part of it? Probably stand where we are. Okay. If there's other um, parents who aren't here right now. Yeah. They can still stand and be a part of it, even though they like, that would be good. Yeah. Talk about it. Okay. You guys comfortable with that? So, um, and maybe I'll say some introductory words so you're not standing for, you know, s- several minutes. It won't be super long, but then um, I'll actually ask everyone to to stand and take a few moments, even just to encourage the congregation as to how. Uh, as you see those around you, you know, be, be regularly praying for them and think about ways you can come alongside and encourage them. And then it'll be a, a prayer of dedication for you as, as parents. Um, that's what I'm, uh, that's what I think would be, I think that would be good. That way it's, it's not trying, everyone's trying to make their way up front or depending on how many people there are, it might not even all, all fit up there. But um, so if, if you guys are comfortable having your little ones with you, at least until that time, we'll probably do at least a song or two. And then the prayer time, and then if if you're uh, availing the children's ministry downstairs, um, any thoughts, Lisa, on the logistics of that part? Yeah, probably during music would be good. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you may have a little extra little ones next Sunday at that time, but but you're used to that. So, all right. Any questions? Or uh, I think next week Mark's also going to be sharing some things, and we can. We thought about even if there's questions you guys have, like a Q&A time. We probably will have time next week to do some Q&A. So maybe be thinking about questions you'd like to ask uh, leaders next week. But uh, we're about at that time. So let me, let me pray, and then we'll uh, continue next week. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. <clears throat> thank you for your word and how you lifted up children and and women and all all different types of groups that were looked down on by culture. And we thank you, Lord, that young and old and, and 90-year-olds and nine-month-olds and everyone in between, Lord, will be <clears throat> gathering in your house in just a few minutes. And I do pray for these parents here that you would encourage them even this day and this week and that the prayers that are going up for them next week and and really the whole that the church would, as they see these parents seeking to serve you, that they would be encouraged to come alongside them as well. And we just pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.